morning. <clears throat> you know, I listened to this testimony and it really touched my heart because it helped me to realize that the blood that flows through my veins can actually save a life. Same goes for you. But it only can save a life if you're willing to spare the time to donate it. And this is a privilege that all healthy people have. And I've had the privilege to do that uh, most years for the last 25 years. By the way, this is the 25th year that PCC is organizing this blood donation in partnership with the blood bank of the General Hospital. I say most years I could donate because uh, I was born with a hemoglobin level that is on the borderline. You know, they look at my level, it's 11 point something, you know, 11 point something, that's more like woman's <laughs> level, right? But some years, it goes a little bit above, and I'm able to donate. And so, last few years, I've not qualified, and then I've disqualified after you pass a certain age, right? It tells you how old I am, so anyway. Uh, which means we need everyone who is qualified, who is below the age of 60, and who is not on medication. Yesterday evening, I talked to a brother. He's in his 40s, and he was a regular blood donor until he hit his late 30s, and he had to be on high blood pressure medication, which meant that he could not donate anymore. And he told me when he sees other people donate, he wants to cry. So don't let him cry. You can donate, and we can literally save a life. And that life that is safe may have another chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ as well. Can you say amen? Amen. So do sign up at the back, and this next Sunday, do tell your friends about it, especially if they are in that age group where they qualify to donate and if they are not on medication. And if they have not traveled out of the country for the last one month, this is the latest requirement. That means, you know, people who are mobile, they, they leave the country often, will never be qualified because every month, you know, I met uh, one of our members, you know, every month he travels twice out of the country. How is he ever going to donate? He will never qualify. So it takes the rest of us who do not travel <laughs> to make up the numbers, especially with this fasting month when the majority race that donates the most is too busy with other activities, as you know why, right? This is a special month for them. So this is the month where the Christians have to come in and fill the gap. Can you say amen? Oh, come on, man. I wish I could give my blood. Lah. <laughs> okay, so let's all do our part. All right, today we are beginning a four-week series that will end with the Pentecost Sunday. So you count, today is week one, and we'll run into Pentecost Sunday that commemorates the first time, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. God poured out His Holy Spirit upon the church. And this is been, has been my prayer in the months leading up to this period. And we've asked pastors and leaders to pray that God will visit us with a fresh move of His Spirit. And so these four weeks, we urge you, when you come, prepare your hearts and don't rush off because we're going to end the sermon 
a little bit earlier so that we will have time to just wait and allow God to do a deep work in us and also pray for those people who want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, all right? So when the sermon ends, the, the service has not ended. Can you say amen? <laughs> when the sermon ends, the service has not ended. It means it's time for us to just put into practice what we have heard and just worship, just sit and enjoy God's presence and allow God's presence to minister to us. Is that okay? Yes or no? Yes, okay. Good. The last night we had a, great, a good move of God and, uh, you know, uh, people were not in a hurry to go off. Anyway, it's traffic jam outside, so, you know, uh, with this special weekend. So don't need to hurry off. All right, we are going to read a passage from a little bit of feedback is coming up from here. Uh, the farewell message of Jesus, after three years with his disciples, it was time for him to go back to heaven. And he was near the end of his mission. And so to prepare them, he gave what is like a farewell message. And we find this in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And we're going to stand right now. Let's stand and we'll read the word of God. And as we read, I want you to try to imagine that you are one of the disciples and Jesus has been with you for three years. And, you know, he worked miracles and he taught and he, he was with you throughout those three years. And suddenly you hear him say, I'm going to leave you. And this is how they felt. And these are the words Jesus spoke to them. So all these words are the words of Jesus. And let's read them out loud. Let's go. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 16. But now I am going to Him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I say that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we hear these words, your Holy Spirit will come and make them so real to us and that we will encounter you in a fresh and powerful new way. For your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Please be seated. So, in this long address, which we have only taken the parts that refer to the Holy Spirit, Jesus revealed a few things about the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that's quite new to them. And when I first heard about the Holy Spirit, it was also new to me. I came from a non-Christian background. And the time when I went to church in the 70s, they did not say Holy Spirit. They said Holy Ghost. Any of you from, from that era where it was Holy Ghost? Now, from the Chinese background, a ghost is what comes back after seven days. Okay? Ching Bing is just over. And we have that idea of, you know, th things, uh, a spirit that floats around, you know. And uh, so, it's a wrong idea of a uh, spirit. And Jesus, when he taught about the Holy Spirit, gave us a totally different concept. First of all, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. Say person. And here are some of the personal attributes of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he has his own will. Okay, move on to PowerPoint, please. All right, the Holy Spirit has his own will. In 1 Corinthians, we have uh, verse 12, verse, chapter 12, verse 1. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, distributing spiritual gifts individually as He wills. That means the Holy Spirit decides. He has a will of His own. You may ask for one gift, but He may not give you that. He may give you another gift because He knows best. Are you with me? Right? So, in other words, we cannot decide. He decides. He has a will. He's a person. Acts 13 verse 2. While the leaders of the church at Antioch were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit also calls people to a special task. And He speaks very clearly. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So which means that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He is a person. Just like you and I, we can be grieved by what other people do, especially those that are close to us, okay? And Romans 8, 26 and 7 tells us further that this, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. Let me ask you, how many of you have had times in your life when you did not know how to pray? You didn't know how to pray. You had a crisis, but you just don't know how to pray. You don't even know how, what words to use. You know, we will come to those times and the longer I have been a Christian, the longer I serve as a pastor, the more I encounter these situations where it's just so complex. I don't even know how to start to pray. But there is help. 
says, when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit Himself intercedes. Means the Holy Spirit will stand between us and God. He will speak on our behalf. That's the idea of interceding. And He does so with groanings. You say, what? What in the world is that? Groanings. The Holy Spirit groans or we groan? I'll clarify in a moment. But it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There are some times in our life when we feel something so deeply, we have no words to express it. Have you ever experienced that? Wave to me if you've had. You have no words, right? And all you can do is just sigh and groan. And it says here that he who searches the hearts knows. That means the Holy Spirit searches our hearts, okay? And he knows also what is the mind of the, what, what the mind of the Spirit is. And because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That means when the Holy Spirit intercedes, he will always pray according to God's will. He will never ask for the wrong things. Now, you and I, when we pray, using our natural mind, sometimes we ask for what we should not ask for. Okay? Now, not if you have ever done that before. You have asked for something you shouldn't ask for. Come on. Why so few honest people? Huh? <laughs> okay? <laughs> and you say, thank God, God didn't give me what I asked for. Because if He did, I will be in serious trouble. Okay? Uh, so, the Holy Spirit is praying through us in that sense. And the word groan from the Greek stenagmos is really a, a expressing intense feeling, intense emotions. Now, the Holy Spirit groans. You say, does the Holy Spirit have a voice? Does the Holy Spirit have a body? No, He doesn't. Who groans? You and I. That's the groaning. But the Holy Spirit is the one that's working through us while we are groaning. Now, I understood this later when I look back at this experience. Through this verse, looking back, I was a young Christian, something like three or four-year-old Christian. But I had already received the call to serve God in full-time ministry. So I went to Bible school. I was in second year in Bible school. And my, I was the only Christian in my family. My parents were free thinkers, so they didn't like the idea of me going to Bible school, you know, what's he going to do for the rest of his life. Uh, but they didn't stop me. And so I was wondering, you know, how am I, how am I going to share with them the gospel? And how are they going to come to Christ? Now, to compound the matter, my parents are Chinese educated, don't speak English at all. And they wanted us to have a better future, so they sent us to a school that education in English. At that time, government school is English, right? So as a result, I spoke English. I didn't speak much, you know, Cantonese. And so one chicken, one duck, you know, it's like how to, how to share the gospel. We can't even talk deeply on any natural level. So I was quite burdened. How is my family going to come to Christ? And some years back uh, before that, while I was just a new Christian, my grandmother had already passed away. And I had not even shared with her the gospel, you know, again, how to share with her the gospel, right? So, but, not, but suddenly I heard my grandfather, who was 84 years old, became ill. And he was in hospital, and after some time, the hospital sent him home and said to the family, you know, just get ready for the funeral, because we can't do anything for him anymore. So, 
he was at home and I went back to visit him. And I remember that night, he was sleeping in a lazy chair in the corner of the hall. Now, we live in a very small, like 500 over square foot uh, apartment, uh, low-cost flats. Today, in Kuala Lumpur, it's called Sogo Shopping Center. Very famous because all the, all the marches, all the protests, you know, always gather there. Right? You hear Sogo, you know, that's where I, I live. So, in that small one-room one apartment, there were about seven or eight of us there. I can't remember. Uh, and my, my parents were in the room, of course. And then, outside, you know, there were a few other people sleeping. And then, my grandfather was uh, in, in one corner of the hallway. And then, I was just lying on the ground, you know, sleeping on the floor. Because there's no place for bed anyway, nor a mattress. So, as a young man, there's no issue. And as I went to bed that night, I said to myself, it's either now or never. If my grandfather dies, he will never hear the gospel. So, Lord, please do something. And he was, you know, like, alert and not alert, alert and not alert. You know, people are about to die, it's like that, right? You, you have, you know, a good few hours, then after that, a bad few hours, then, you know, you, cannot, you can't even talk to them. So I was praying for him, and so I decided that night I, I really want to pray for my grandfather. He's just next to me. So I went on my knees when everyone had gone to bed. They were all sleeping, snoring. So I knelt on my knees, and I started to pray for my grandfather. And after a while, I felt something within me just groaning, just groaning. Now, that is not something that I always experience. In fact, it's very rare. So I was just groaning, and there were no words. I was just groaning. All I knew was I was very concerned for my grandfather, that he would not go to hell. He would not hear, he would hear the gospel at least and have a chance to receive Christ. Okay? So here I was just groaning, and as I was groaning, I realized that, oh dear me, everyone else is sleeping. This is a small one-room low-cost flat, and the traffic is dying down because the, you know, Dang Wangi, the road is just in front of my window, you know, very noisy, but after midnight, it quiets down. So if I groan louder, they'll all hear me, and then they'll wake up, and they'll, they'll say, Grandfather have not died yet, ah. why you cry, you know? <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, uh, what do I do? You know, I feel this burden, and I'm groaning, but at the same time, I have to control myself. So I, I, I remember... I, I could actually suppress the groaning and keep it at a very, very quiet level, still groaning deep within me from the belly, just groaning. And I remember this went on for many, many hours, you know. I was just groaning and groaning and groaning. And I don't even remember how many hours, but all I did, know, knew was I woke up and I realized I had fallen asleep on my knees. The next morning I woke up so when I woke up, the first thing I thought of was this, I better invite a pastor to come who can speak Cantonese and share the gospel with my grandfather because I don't know how many more days he has. So the pastor agreed to come and surprisingly, that morning, he was very alert, like a window. You know, it's like, wow, he can talk, he can listen. And he's a, he's a communist kind of person, you know. He came from China. 
he doesn't believe in anything, right? So this is the first time anyone shared with him about Jesus Christ. And the pastor asked him, do you want to believe in Jesus? And he said, yes, I want. And I look at him and I'm wondering, you know, is it true or not? It's the first time, does he even know what he's doing, you know? But never mind, you know? Okay, so he, he prayed the prayer that the pastor led him, you know, to receive Christ. And then the pastor prayed for him to be healed and also taught him, now you pray to Jesus, after I've gone, you just, anytime you want to pray, you just ask Jesus, please heal me. And that's what he did, you know, surprisingly. And from that day onwards, he got stronger and stronger and stronger, and within a short time, he was up on his feet, walking around, and doing everything as usual, you know, and he even got baptized in water, and he lived for one more year, okay? So, now, that is not the, that is not the miracle, actually, I mean, because eventually, you still have to die, right? You're 84, how, more, how many more years can you live, right? So, I was very happy that he came to Christ, at the like, you know, it was like on the deathbed. But because suddenly he got well, my parents, who were non Christians and free thinkers, they saw this and they said, This Jesus, if he could heal the grand, my grandfather, he must be God. He must be someone special. And so they started to open their hearts. And before long, they became Christians, they were baptized. And uh, today, my father is still in, in that same church for, for 40 over years. Now, this is 44 years ago, 1975, okay? So, it's like half a century ago. But the fruit remains because after that, they shared Christ with, you know, some of their relatives, and they are also Christians. And so, from a family that had no Christians, I was the only Christian. Mother's side, no Christians. Father's side, no Christians. After this event, the gospel penetrated the family. And today, quite a few of them know Christ. And what was the turning point? It was when the Holy Spirit prayed through a young Christian who didn't know how to pray. I was just an instrument. The Holy Spirit prayed through me with groanings that could not be uttered. And that was a breakthrough. Now, I wish I could make this happen, but I cannot. <laughs> you know, it is something like, you know, the Holy Spirit will come upon us when we have the burden and desire, but we cannot make it happen. But when the Holy Spirit does come on you, I urge you, be sensitive and cooperate and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you, even with groanings that cannot be uttered. Instead of saying, I'm busy now, you know, yeah, I, want to, I need to do this, you know, because the moment may pass, and that's the sensitivity that we need to cultivate. That is, whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us a burden to pray, that is when we need to pray because that is when the breakthrough can come. Can you say amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He has feelings. He makes decisions. And He even prays through us to the Father according to the will of God. We also know that the Holy Spirit is more than a person. The Holy Spirit is God Himself, and He is the third person of the Trinity. Now, this is unique to the Christian faith. All other religions are different. In many religions, there are many gods, okay? more than one. In fact, some have lots of gods. But there are a few religions that are monotheistic. That means saying there's one God. And the Christian faith is monotheistic. 
But the distinction of the Christian faith is that we believe that there is one God, but in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we call the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, this is something that uh, if they don't understand, they will say we have three gods. Okay? But the Bible reveals that God is in three persons. And right from the very start, we get this idea. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You notice that these words, uh, just advance please, all right? Uh, to, yeah, Genesis 1.26, yeah. Can you look at those words? The pronouns are plural. Us, our. So we get a hint right from the start that there is a plurality of persons, not singularity. Acts 10, 38, God, who is the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Son, with the Holy Spirit. So we have three persons mentioned side by side in the Godhead. Christ, God the Son, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God the Father, Hebrews 9, 14. Matthew 28, 19, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. This is the formula that we still use today. Acts 2.33, exalted to the right hand of God as God the Father. He, that is Jesus, the Son of God, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. So in each passage, what we have is three different persons mentioned alongside. So what we have is one God in three persons or what we call the triune God. From the word tri plus unity, which gives us trinity. Now, is it possible for us to understand this even with our natural minds, with our limited human intelligence? It's impossible, really. Because uh, there is no perfect parallel at all. We could say some of these ideas come a little bit close. For example, in mathematics, we say one times one times one is one. It's not one plus one plus one, okay? So, and also, uh, generally we understand water. Water, a daily experience for us, right? It's usually liquid, okay? Water is liquid. But when the sun hits the water, it evaporates and it becomes vapor. And you see water hanging out in the clouds, okay? So it's vapor. It's liquid, it's vapor, and then when water becomes cold past freezing point, it becomes solid, right? So the same substance can have three different, di three different states, so to speak, okay? Uh, last night, somebody who is good in chemistry told me that there is a certain point, at a certain point, water can be all three at the same time, okay? Go and Google for yourself, okay? <laughs> it's, it's a mysterious thing, you know, that water can ex actually exist at, in three different states at the same point of, I, I, I think it's probably temperature or atmospheric pressure, I'm not sure, okay? I didn't have time since last night uh, to, to find out more, right? But again, that is not a parallel. Uh, there is no, actually no parallel. So the question is this, can I understand the Trinity? I cannot. Because I, ex I acknowledge my mind is finite, is limited, 
if my limited mind can understand an unlimited God, then that God is not limited. That God is not unlimited. He is limited, just like me. In other words, it's not possible for us to comprehend God. We nevertheless believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, because the Bible reveals it to us from the start to the finish. Can you say amen? So our faith is not based on what we can comprehend. Now, I know most other things we can comprehend. There are many other things in the Bible which is a perfectly logical thing, you know. In other words, you don't throw your brains away when you come, you know, to the Bible, right? We are, we are allowed to use our minds to explore. But there is a limit. There are some things that are just beyond our human ability. And we have to, ex- to acknowledge that. We simply accept this is the truth. Now, the New Testament writers also basically tells us that the Holy Spirit is divine and there are different attributes, right? Uh, in other words, there are some qualities that if you have that quality, you must be God. If you even have one of those qualities, you must be God. Why? Because here are five things that are unique to God. Number one, God is the creator. This is what Genesis says, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But you say, Pastor, I'm also a very creative person. It's true, but you and I create out of something. God creates out of nothing. Okay? If you can create something out of nothing, then I will reconsider <laughs> whether you could be divine. Right? All of us make, even, even our ability to create comes from the Creator. That's why we are like God. We are made in the image of God. God is the Creator, and that's why we are creative. Can you say amen? But the Holy Spirit was there right from the beginning. Verse 2, The earth was formless and void, darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So, not only was God the Father involved in creating from nothing, God the Son was involved, you see in other passages, and God the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity was involved in creation. Number two, God is omnipotent. That means He has all power. Okay, all of us kala, okay? We all have limited power. But God has unlimited power. And the Virgin Mary was told she was going to conceive, and she said, how can? I have never known a man. And the, Holy, and the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, for nothing is impossible with God. So the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And number three, God is omnipotent, all-present. Now, some parents wish that they can also be all-present, and their children are mischievous then they can be there at the same time as being in their office or in the home. But we cannot. Only God can be present everywhere. And Psalm 139, 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Number four, God is omniscient. That means He knows everything. For to us, God revealed them through the spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 10. Number five, God is eternal. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, 
in a sense, when you die, you're not going to disappear. You're going to go to one of two places, right? Forever. So in that sense, we are eternal. In that sense. But there was a time when you and I didn't exist. So we are not eternal. Like God is eternal. There was never a time when God did not exist. He has been there from the beginning. Before there was a beginning to the end and beyond. So God is eternal and the Holy Spirit is also eternal. And for anyone to have these five qualities, we must say He's God and the Holy Spirit is God. But the best part is this. I've saved the best for the last and that is the Holy Spirit is not only a person, He's not only divine, but the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Can I say amen? Say, What? Pastor, you're getting us confused. Just like Jesus, you say the Holy Spirit is different from Jesus and different from the Father. Now you say it's just like Jesus. But that's what Jesus said. John 14, 16. He says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper, parakletos, that He may be with you forever. Now the Greek word uh, that is translated helper here in New American Standard Bible from parakletos comes from the Greek word that is used in the Roman legal system. And as a result, some translations use the word counsellor, advocate, okay, or even comforter. Right, next slide. And uh, you can see that uh, there is actually no one word. None of these words convey the total meaning. That's the nature of language, you know. Some words are not possible to translate exactly. You have to kind of like choose uh, several words to to see which one has some of those qualities. And uh, parakletos, in that, that word actually means one who is called alongside to help. How do you find one word to translate this phrase? One who is called alongside to help. Maybe the closest is helper, but don't treat him like your domestic helper, please. Okay? Because he's not that kind of helper, right? John 14, six, uh, 15 and 16 tells us this helper comes to take the place of Jesus who was going away. That means he will replace Jesus. He will be a better replacement, in fact. And to reveal the truth to his disciples. So Jesus told them, it's actually better for you. It's to your advantage that I'm going away. So you shouldn't be sad, okay? Because I can only be you for a while and I can only be you at one place at one time. But he can be with you everywhere, with all of you at the same time and forever. So... Which is better? You see, this is something that they could not comprehend. Jesus told them, I will not leave you as orphans. And this is a language that speaks to their heart. I will not leave you as orphans. What? You see, is he their father? In that culture, a master had disciples. And the disciples were like his children. So when the master died, the children became orphans. Are you with me? So in that context, Jesus said, Don't worry, I am going away. I'm leaving you. But you are not going to be left like orphans. Because he says, I will come to you. Next slide, please. Hurry up. Okay. Next. Okay. All right. Stick to this one. Oh, no, no, no. The previous one. All right, stick to this one. All right. 
just follow me, thanks. Now, here is a very difficult phrase for them. Now, we look back, we understand. I will not leave you as often as I will come to you. So, if your master tells you, I'm leaving you, then he says, I will not leave you, then I'll come to you. Tell us, what are you actually saying? Are you leaving or are you not leaving? <laughs> okay? If you say you're leaving and then you'll come to us, you know, what are you actually saying to us? Now, this was something that they did not understand because it had not happened yet. Yeah, you, you will, you'll come to us, but how? When? And this is where, next, next slide, the Holy Spirit is actually another helper of the same kind. Okay, uh, go forward, go forward, forward. Uh, no, backwards, backwards, the Holy Spirit, no, backwards, still backwards, backwards. Okay, another of the same kind, uh, backwards, still a little bit. Okay, sorry, uh, you're getting a bit lost. Okay, all right, that's the slide. So, Jesus explained to them in this passage, the Holy Spirit is another helper of the same kind. And the key is the Greek word. The word for another, to us in English, another is another, right? You know, it's like we say, uh, this is a flower, right? This is another flower, this is another flower, this is another flower. We use the same word, another. But in the Greek, we have alos, another of the same kind, and we have hetros, another of a different kind. So if I say, Pastor Thomas is another person, and I say Pastor Jesley is another person. I will use, she is a heteros person, because she's a person of a different kind. Are you with me? But if I say Pastor Thomas is a person, and Pastor Wilson is another person, I will say he is an alos person, right? Because he's another of the same kind. Are you with me? So if I used to describe flower, I will say this is a daisy, this is a flower, and this is another flower, a lost flower, another of the same kind. But if I were to use this as a flower, this is another flower. In Greek, I would say this is heteros flower because it is a rose. It's not a daisy. Are you with me? So in Greek, those two words will tell a, a lot of difference, right? And the word Jesus used when he says, I will give you another helper, is the word alos, which means another of the same kind. So now you see Jesus, now you see the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's like as if you're seeing the same person. Not the same person, but like the same person. And that is what makes the difference. Another of the same kind will come to you. For what? Next slide. To empower us to bear witness. Until that time, they had been cowardly. And even when Jesus went to the cross, they will all desert Him. But the Holy Spirit will come and empower them so that they will be witnesses, Acts 1.8, to Christ all over the world. And number two, to teach us and remind them of what Jesus said. Guide them in all truth. Jesus said, there are so many things I want to tell you, but you, you cannot take them. Right? And number three, to help them when they are on trial. Jesus promised in Matthew 10, 19 to 20, He says, when they are rest too, don't worry what you're going to say. I will 
tell you what to say. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. But the Spirit of your Father speaking through you, it will not be you speaking. Now, many Christians have experienced this from the first century, from the time of Nero and before. And you say, is that over? No. Governments are becoming more and more autocratic all over the world. Okay? America is not the only one. Okay? Right? It's a worldwide trend. Okay? And the kind of government that we see in China will become more and more popular because it gets things done. Okay? And it protects people, so to speak. Right? So be prepared because the day will come when more and more Christians will have to stand trial for their faith. And if you don't want to experience that, pray that Jesus will come sooner. That's a good incentive, right? Jesus, please come soon. <laughs> right? So this won't happen. But even when that happens, and there are Christians in many countries, Middle East uh, and other countries, that are already being charged simply because of their faith in Jesus. And Jesus said, don't worry. When the time comes, I will speak through you by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to prepare. Now, the Holy Spirit will also uh, convict the world. He doesn't just work on us. He works on the non-Christians as well. We don't have time to go there, okay? Uh, but basically, He convicts the world as well of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And as I close, I want to say this. Uh, it is one thing to know all this, you know, Holy Spirit is a person, Holy Spirit is God, third person of Trinity, Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus, and I give you a test, you can pass it, you know, but that's not the point. The point is not only to know it in our heads, the point is to experience the Holy Spirit as a person, as real as you sit down next to a person and you talk to the person and you enjoy fellowship with the person. That's what He wants to come to do in our lives. And my prayer is that we will all encounter the Holy Spirit in the same way that the believers encountered Him in the first century and on the day of Pentecost when He came upon them in power. And so, I want to take you to one last scripture, which I want you to open your Bibles. John chapter 7. Please. I want you to be able to find this verse because you have looked for it. John 7, and it's very easy to remember because, you know, the last few months, you have not been allowed to fly this plane. It's called 737, right? World famous now. 737. John 737. Okay. Now, go to John, and I want to read to you. This is the words of Jesus. And... When he spoke these words, they didn't understand what he meant, right? But later they did. And he promised this to them. John 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, say thirst. Thirst. That's the key, right? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, Jesus had not gone to die on the cross, rise from the dead and rise to heaven. So he wasn't glorified yet. So he couldn't send the Holy Spirit. And he was talking about the day when the Holy Spirit will come. And 
the Holy Spirit has come. Pentecost occurred after that, something like 50 days after Jesus died on the cross, right? And the Holy Spirit wants to come on us. But the key is, if anyone is what? Thirsty. Say thirsty. The key is to have a thirst and a desire for God and for the Holy Spirit to have His way in us. So the worship team is going to come now. And as they come, we're going to, we're going to sing this song that expresses our desire to allow Him to just come and fill us and do whatever He wants in our lives. And I, I encourage you in the next few moments, don't hurry away, just, just wait in God's presence. Allow Him to do what He wants. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, feel free to come to the front. We have pastors and leaders who will pray for you while we are worshipping God, while we are singing our prayers to God, the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. Josephine will lead us. So let's stand together at this time. So we won't conclude the service in the usual way. We we'll allow you to just take some time to just sit or stand or kneel in God's presence. For a start, we just stand. When you feel a bit tired, you want to sit down, it's fine. Okay? You want to kneel and just allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in our lives. Okay? Let's go. To welcome God's Holy Spirit because... It is only when we are thirsty that we will come and drink. So the worship team is going to come and we're going to spend a few moments just to welcome God's Holy Spirit into our lives afresh. As we sing that song that says, there must be more than this. That means, God, I'm not satisfied. No matter what I've experienced of the Holy Spirit, I want more because I believe there is more. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. There's more. Come on, amen. amen. Alright, so I want you to, uh, right now, let's stand together and, and as you close your eyes, I want you to repeat after me this simple prayer. That says, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Come on. Holy Spirit, dear Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Work in my heart afresh cause me to hunger and thirst and drink of the streams of living water let it overflow in my heart to bring blessing and refreshing Holy Spirit I welcome you in my life Amen Amen